Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. The anointing of God is God's supernatural power to get things done through his people. And in today's message, we're going to look closer at the four steps that any believer must take in order to activate the anointing in their life. Today's message is titled, Activating the Anointing, from our series titled, The Anointing. Listen in, take notes, and I'll be with you at the end of the broadcast. Open your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 1. The book of Colossians chapter 1. Are you blessed this morning? Praise the Lord. We're going to have some fun today. Amen. Hallelujah. Today we're going to talk about releasing or uh, let's better say um, not releasing uh, but uh, activating the anointing. Amen. So we've been talking about anointing but today we're going to talk about activating the anointing. I praise God for God teaching me when I was young in the things of God, how to activate the anointing of God. Amen. Four things you need to do to activate the anointing of God. Four, and it seems like you've heard these before, but I want you to understand that they don't change. Amen. These are the same four things. And if you can do these four things, and then I'll teach some more on them. But if you can do these four things, you can activate God's anointing in any circumstance. Amen. Number one is you have to invite God into your circumstances. If you are going to see the anointing work, you're going to first have to invite God to be in your circumstances. Because I have wanted God in my circumstances, but not invited God into my circumstances. Amen. There are certain things I've wanted God to do, but I wasn't in the mindset of actually inviting God to actually participate in my life. (laughs) Somebody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Inviting God means that you have to be willing to acknowledge the truth. See, what Jesus said this, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. We all want to be set free, but sometimes the truth hurts. (laughs) Amen. Sometimes the truth hurts and we don't want the truth. I'd rather have some sugar. Can I have some sugar on this today? Amen. How about a chocolate coating over it? Amen. Amen. A little icing or something. Amen. Not the whole truth. Amen. Yes, the whole truth. You shall know the truth and the truth has set you free. And I've had areas of my life where I haven't wanted to face the truth. And sometimes truth means ownership of problems. Now, I have a problem and there's somebody else who I can blame or who I can push the problem onto. But ultimately, until I can own the problem, I can't or I'm not really inviting God into my circumstance. Amen. Because yes, people do things to people all the time. Yes, people do bad things to people all the time. But ultimately, if I'm going to be free, I have to take responsibility. Now, you don't take responsibility for other people's wrong. You take responsibility that I am in a bad strait. Amen? Somebody did something to you, you don't have to own their wrong. But you can say, I got a problem. Instead of they had a problem, I would have been fine except for them. It doesn't make a difference what they did. It makes a difference where I am right now. Where am I right now? I'm in a bad space and I have to own my space because two things can't occupy one space at the same time. 
So if I'm in a bad space, it's because I'm standing in it. Amen? <laughs> Amen. God has to be invited into the circumstance. The children of Israel were in bondage. Joseph had saved Egypt with supernatural wisdom from God. He was sent there as a slave. He got then imprisoned. And from prison, he then had an answer for the whole nation. Now, I want you to imagine we have a, we have a drought coming over the United States. And God chooses to send the answer to Leavenworth Prison. The answer to our problem is sitting in Leavenworth Prison, the biggest federal penitentiary around. Right there sits the answer that God sends. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) When you put it into that context. But God supernaturally had him released from prison, taken to the Pharaoh, who provides an answer to, which saves the Egyptians and those, those who revolve around the Egyptians. Well, a couple of hundred years later, everybody forgot about what Joseph did. They just know that now these Hebrews are too many, too plenteous, and they need to be slaves. So now they're slaves, and they are working, and they are expanding in growth, and the Egyptians finally say, you know what, enough of these. we got to slow them down. And they began abusing them and treating, mistreating them. And in that mistreatment, they finally... Cry out to God. When they cried out to God, God came and sent an answer. So first thing first, if you want an anointing of God, you want God to work in your circumstance, you have to invite him, which means you have to learn how to pray to cry out to God the right way. Amen? So that's number one. Number two is, is that once you have cried out to God and invited him, invited him, then you have to accept his revelation. In other words, God may have to show you something before he does something. You might have to allow yourself to see revelation. You got to wait and see what God is saying. So in this same example, the children of Israel, they cried out to God and God revealed something. He said, I've already sent a deliverer for you. But at first they didn't want to receive that deliverer. And the deliverer didn't want to be sent. (laughs) But God had already authored a way for things to happen. And so Moses became that deliverer who then brought the revelation of who God was in a different way to the children of Israel. The third thing is once you have revelation, you then have to activate the revelation by applying it to your life. You guys have heard this before, have you not? Amen. (laughs) You got to understand your circumstance and invite God in. That means to know something. You have to receive revelation. God will show you what he needs you to see, which is then stage of revelation, but then revelation requires a decision point, a decision point in which you decide whether you are going to follow the way of God or you're going to do what you feel like is the best thing to do. That is always the place where things get most difficult. Amen? Actively or activate the word through your practice. 
So I had you turn to Colossians chapter one, correct? There's a fourth step that I'm going to read you in a second, but I want you to make sure that you're turning to Colossians because as soon as I read this fourth step, we're going to jump right into this uh, passage of Colossians. The fourth step is, is that once you have activated the word, you must continue the practice. In other words, once you do it once, you can't stop. You need to continue to obey the word. Amen? (laughs) That's pretty simple, isn't it? Wednesday night, uh, let's bring up the cycle. Let's bring up the cycle of spiritual growth real quick. I'm to share something with you. So we were covering uh, uh, power of the tongue Wednesday night, and Pastor Edgar was teaching, and he brought up the cycle of spiritual growth. He drew he drew it up, and he brought up a point that I want to make to you. I've said it before, and I want he said it very well, and I want to make sure you get it. Now you see the five stages of spiritual growth. Number one is knowledge, revelation, application, manifestation, and impartation. Impartation is always, I won't say it's always, many times it is the missing portion of the Christian's spiritual growth, is that we do not learn with the understanding that we need to sow. That once we've learned something, it's our responsibility to pass it on. Now, one of the things Pastor Edgar pointed out very, uh, very well is, is that because this is the cycle of growth, one of the things that always happens is the enemy comes and attacks everywhere there's space. (laughs) So there's a box that contains knowledge. He doesn't attack you when you got knowledge already. He attacks when now you want to take knowledge and you want to get revelation. And then you get a struggle between those two points because that means I have to now, I have information. Now I'm going to have to receive the spiritual truth about what I've received. And I may have to battle with that. And then when I get from that point and I need to apply it, I have that decision point, that struggle. The enemy's coming in and he's going to make me struggle with the decision about whether I'm going to go with the word or whether I'm going to do something I feel like doing. And then once I started to activate the word, the enemy's going to keep trying to get me to get off of it. You forgave him once. Are you going to forgive him tomorrow? <laughs> I'm standing on forgiveness, but then they did something else. Is this a new set or am I still in the same forgiveness? <laughs> the struggle begins, right? And then once I've received it and I say, praise the Lord, and I just want to praise God do I tell my testimony to others? And I'm faced with that decision. Will I tell people or will I not? So that struggle represents the barrier to anointing. And when we think about anointing, we think about being Christians and walking in faith and walking in the things of God. We're going to read now uh, Colossians chapter one, and I want you to listen because I want you to grasp a truth that we're going to hammer on today, and that is the truth of freedom. Freedom. So Colossians chapter one, verse 26 excuse me, we'll start at 25, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. In other words, I was given the word for not just my behalf. I was given the word for your behalf, which aligns with what we just talked about, impartation, is that when you receive from God, it's not just for you. You're receiving from God for someone else's behalf. In other words, God told Moses, he said, excuse me, told Abraham, I'm going to bless you to make you a blessing. 
In other words, I never blessed you just for you to be blessed. I always bless you to make you a blessing to someone else. Amen. So Paul said, I've received the stewardship of this gospel from which God has given it to me for you. Paul said, I didn't just receive the gospel for myself. I got the gospel for you. I don't have revelation for me. I have revelation for you. Amen. Next verse. The mystery which has been hidden from ages, from generations, but now has been revealed to the saints. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm a saint. (laughs) Tell your other neighbor, say, I always knew you were. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Verse 28. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Verse 27 here. The mystery to them, God willed to the saints. God has willed to make known. It's God's will for us to know what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The word Christ is the word Christos. It means the Messiah. Messiah means anointed one. So Christ, Jesus Christ, was the anointed one. He was the anointed one. Amen? He was the one who was anointed. So in Luke chapter 4, that we read before, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. In other words, I am the anointed one. I have received an anointing. And this passage says, Christ in you. The anointing in you. The hope of glory. Amen? It is not you It's the anointing of God in you that is the hope of glory. And if you have received Christ, if Christ is in you, then you have an anointing on the inside of you to do what Christ only can do. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. So if Christ is in me, why do I worry? If Christ is in me, why do I toil? If Christ is in me, why do I struggle? (laughs) It's because you're a threefold being, spirit, soul, and body. And your soul has been trained to toil. Your soul has been trained to worry. Your soul has been trained to wrestle. And so by nature, your soul does that. What is your soul? Your mind, your emotions, your imagination, and your will. Those four things make up your soul. Paul later on had to say in first, excuse me, in third John, beloved, I would pray that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. In other words, you've got to put your soul in position to prosper if you want your spirit, the other part of you that's been recreated by God, to flourish. What is your spirit? Your spirit is the life in you. It is the life that is in you. It is the zoe. Jesus said this. He said, I came that they may have parisimus zoe. Zoe is life like God has it. Parisimus is abundance. I came that they may have 
Zoe, Zoe, more Perissimus. That's what God came to do. Give us an abundance of life. However, at every point in your spiritual maturity, there is a struggle. There is a struggle at every point in your spiritual maturity. If you can see your cycle of maturity through, you grow to another level. But when you get out, guess what? You have another battle. And sometimes we believe, as someone told me, never pray for patience, Derry. I said, why not? Because you have to go through something to get it. So I never prayed for patience, but I had to go through it anyway. (laughs) So I think I should have prayed for patience to see if God had a shorter pathway than what I found out. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Glory to God. Enemy's trying to get this message. He ain't going to have it. Yeah, I hear you, devil. You ain't getting this one. Praise God. I'm going to switch up on him. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, let's go to Philippians 4 13. Philippians 4 and 13. Everybody knows this one, right? It says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. See, we think Jesus' name was not Jesus Jones or Jesus Williams, but Jesus Christ. (laughs) It wasn't his last name. Christ is not his last name. Amen? It's his title. The Anointed One. Jesus, the Anointed One. Not Jesus' last name, so-and-so. Jesus, the Anointed One. So when we see the word Christ, it is talking about that thing that he has been designated as. The anointed one, the Messiah, the difference maker. Amen? The anointed one. So this says, I can do all things through the anointed one who strengthens me. Amen? Can you do all things? What are you worried about? Zechariah 4 and 6. Come on. Zechariah 4 and 6. Let's go there. (laughs) So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, things don't get done by strength. They don't get done by power. They get done by the spirit of God. That's how God works. God works by his Holy Spirit. His spirit is the one who works through us and works in us. His spirit is the author of the anointing that's in us. Now, if I'm a threefold being, a physical body, a mind, soul, and a spirit. I'm three parts, right? If I grew up knowing how to use my physical body, running, jumping, all kinds of things, then I become better and better at doing those things, right? If I increase my mental capacity through reading and studying 
and paying attention to different things and observing. Those things are all part of my soul. Thinking about things and pondering things. Those all increase my mental strength and I become stronger mentally, correct? So how do you get stronger spiritually? Yeah. But a person who never walks will find that their leg muscles weaken. Amen? A person who doesn't think will find that their thoughts dim, that they don't get stronger, they get lesser. If we don't challenge our mind, then our mind does not respond with elasticity the way it should. And if we don't exercise our spirit, our spirit doesn't strengthen. If you don't find ways to exercise your spirit, man, your spirit, man, gets weaker and weaker, just like your physical body would get weaker. So you have to find ways to strengthen your spirit, to allow your spirit to then operate in the fullness of what it's capable of operating in. Amen? Am I talking to the right group today? God recreated me in his spirit. And then he told me in Romans 12, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get your mind renewed. In other words, get your mind aligned with your spirit. Because I guarantee you, anywhere that your spirit and your soul are aligned, you are prospering. I guarantee you, anywhere your spiritual being and your soul are aligned, when you get that argument, that battle out of the way, then you flow and you don't have hindrances. Amen? Not by power, nor by might, but by the spirit. God is trying to equip us so that the spirit is what we operate from. And that the spirit then gives us guidance on how to make our mind and our body follow where the spirit wants to take us. Amen. Amen. Psalm 127. Let's go there. The anointing is God's power to supernaturally get things done through his people. That's what the anointing is. It is God's power to supernaturally get things done through his people. But I have experienced personally that there are certain times where I physically try to do things or mentally try to do things that God tells me to do. And I've tried to do it with my body and with my mind. And I have run out of gas. Because I was trying to do something supernatural with natural means. Amen. Now, these electric fans are blowing, blowing cool air in here. If you plug an electric fan into a gas socket, you get nothing. Because it's not the right technology. It's not designed to work together. Amen? So when you try to do supernatural things for God using natural means, you get nothing. Because it's not designed to work together. Amen? (laughs) All right. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake 
in vain. Amen? Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain that build it. (laughs) Let's meditate on that for a second. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Does it say that we should not build? Yeah, you still have to do stuff. But it said unless the Lord is building it, we're going to labor in vain. There's a lot of labors that Christian church sometimes does that are in vain because we're not allowing God to be the builder. Amen? But God's doing a new thing and God's allowing his people to build by faith in him. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's go to uh, John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. First John chapter one. Yes. Almost there. First John. Excuse me. Let's go to first John chapter two, uh, verse 20. First John two and 20. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know some things. You know all things. See, when you activate the anointing in your life, it's going to show you all things. See, this is what I want for you. I want for you to hear this and understand we're going to engage some very simple principles that are going to activate this in our lives. This is not going to be complex. This is not going to be hard. But we're going to step into some things where we actually have an anointing from the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's not you. It's what? Christ in you. It's not you, it's Christ in you who's the hope of glory, but if that anointing, the anointed one is in you, then what? You're anointed and you know all things. I never confess I'm confused. When I figure this out, I realize I'm never confused about anything. I am not confused. Sometimes you feel, man, I don't know what's going on. I don't say that anymore. No, I'm not confused. God may not have revealed something to me, but I'm not confused. Because why? I have the spirit. I have the anointing. I know all things. I'm not a know-it-all, but I know all things. Amen? Tell your neighbors, I know all things. Because I have an anointing. Come on, what does this mean, though? What does it mean? What does that mean in your life? What does it mean in your life that you know all things? What does it mean that I have an anointing from God and I know all things? What does that mean? It means that if you can wait on the Lord, it means if you can just let God speak to you, there is no problem you should ever have to run from. There is no problem you have to try to escape because God will show you the answer. 
Sometimes I say stuff and I go, oh, why did I say that? And then I have to just say, be quiet. Just let, let, wait, just be quiet. Let me let God show me why. Because I said it for a reason. So let God, maybe God, let God show me why. And then God reveals things and I understand it. And guess what? It's not spooky and it's not, it's not mystical. It's simple. It's the power of God. It's us who love God, believe that we have a Savior who has risen from the dead, has defied death. And he says, then I will be an anointing, send my spirit to live in you, and in you I will allow him to do things that you don't understand. It's not mystical, it's truth. But before I can receive that, I got to actually accept the fact that God would actually use me. Because you got to know the truth, and the truth has set you free. But see, in church, sometimes we have believed that there are special people, and there are other people. There's the special anointed folks, and then there's everybody else. And I'm not, listen, and I say this, and we've, we've had this ongoing conversation because people don't understand what I'm saying when I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it, and I'm going to qualify after I say it. And you need to understand it. My wife knows what I'm getting ready to say. But you got to understand what I'm talking about when I say this. Every single person is born to be a leader. But you don't become a leader by just upping and trying to lead one day. Leadership means responsibility. And this morning when the prayer circle, Tony defined responsibility. That means responding to things with ability. In other words, my ability is not my own. I can take responsibility and I can lead because I'm going to respond with what God shows me is his supernatural ability to get something done because I have an anointing and I know all things. Amen. I have an anointing. You have an anointing. You have something on you that allows you to know things that you should not know. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but this is, this is exciting stuff to me. This is exciting stuff to me. Because I show up for work sometimes and I don't know what I need to do. I need some help. I need God to show me what to do. <laughs> I keep getting put in positions where people tell me, yeah, we need you to do this. I'm like, I can't do that. And then I say, wait a minute. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me catch myself. Wait a minute. I have an anointing from God. I know all things. So let me lay this stuff out in front of me. Let me acknowledge the reality. Thank you, Father, for putting me in a circumstance that I can't handle. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, Father, reveal to me what you can do through me right now. And then he might lead me to a scripture. And that scripture might be a scripture like this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's go to verse 4. He might say to me, he said, Derry, now there's diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Derry, there's diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. Derry, there are diversities of, of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. 
In other words, Derry, there's other people doing all kinds of stuff. You see them all the time doing stuff. And guess what? I'm the same God that works in them. And I'm ready to work in you. Amen. Come on. Come on. Wow, you saw somebody do something awesome. Man, that's awesome. How did they do that? Guess what? God said, there's a diversity of gifts, but it's the same spirit working. In other words, the spirit that was in him to do that or in her to do that, the same spirit's in you now. (laughs) Amen. And so I got a problem laying in front of me. I'm trying to figure out how to figure out the problem. He said, guess what? I anointed John Maxwell to do this. Guess what? I'll anoint you the same way. Really? Yes, I will. (laughs) I anointed Joel Osteen like this. I'll anoint you too. What? Yes, I will. Because I'm no respecter of persons. It's the same God. He has a different gift than you. But I work all in all. Woo! Amen. And there are peers in your business or in whatever you do that do things that you might say, wow, how'd they do that? And God will show you how they did it. And God will show you how you can do it. <laughs> Woo! I love silence. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom. Through the Spirit. (laughs) Another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Do you see what's happening here? He said that there's people gifted that you see them out there. You see them working. You see them doing miracles. Guess what? It is the same spirit working in them that is working in you. And guess what? Whether it's word of wisdom, word of knowledge, whether it's prophecy, whether it's healings, it all is the same spirit. And I am willing to use you. Hallelujah. Mm, Man. Man. Verse 9, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. Verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, different gifts of the Holy Spirit operating to provide an anointing to get stuff done. Now, we look at these and we think of these in their church context, but we don't think about the fact that there was no church when this was written. (laughs) We think about this in our traditional church context, but the traditional church context that we are used to, that was not there. These gifts were given for them to operate day to day and walk around all the time operating in. Operating in a word of knowledge in the marketplace operating in a word of wisdom in the marketplace what's the difference what is the difference between the two a word of wisdom is when God shows a person directions that they need to take that you meet somebody and you give them advice but it's supernatural Because it's the Holy Spirit showing you what to tell them to do. 
A word of knowledge would be when you walk into an environment and you know stuff you're not supposed to know because nobody told you. And you say stuff that you shouldn't know and people are trying to figure out why does he know that? Healing comes in something as simple as having a healing word for somebody in a moment when they didn't even realize they were sick. (laughs) This is gold. (laughs) This is gold. And God says, guess what? I've already laid it in my word because it's for you. Woo, come on, come on, y'all, come on. To another, gifts of faith. I knew a lady, she had a special gift of faith. She was amazing. She was, uh, she was the road manager for the group that Tammy was in. Tammy sang in this gospel group, right? And this lady was the manager. And she had tremendous faith. And she said, the Lord said, we're going to go to New York on a tour. (laughs) Really? Yes, the Lord said, we're going on this tour. And she set everything up. (laughs) And they got to New York and her faith is still working. (laughs) They got to New York and all the resources weren't there. But she believed God the whole way. She told Tammy one day, she said, she said Tammy, uh, she, she told share some things with Tammy. And uh, so Tammy called me because at the time, Tammy and Georgia Kenyon and Judy, they were all pregnant with, at the time. And so they're out in New York on tour and she's, she's, she's got them on faith, going from show to show by faith, going from place to place by faith, finding somewhere to stay by faith. And every time, and most people in the group had no idea that that's how she was operating. But she, every time, God would meet the need. Every time, God would meet the need. God, every time, God would meet the need. How are we getting back? Don't worry. God's got us. <laughs> I can happily say my wife made it back and had her baby here. <laughs> Amen. But this woman, not just this time, but we watched her years do thing after thing after thing supernaturally. Stuff that no p- other people would look at and say, I can't do that. She would say, God can do it. God can do this. And she would step out on faith and do stuff. Stuff I'd be surprised. She had me trying to step out on faith one day. She was trying to show me this house. Drove us up somewhere, up in some mountain somewhere. She said, oh, I see custom house all over y'all. Oh, yeah, let's get, we showed us this house. And I'm like, <laughs> she told Tim, she said, I can't read your husband's face. She said, don't even try, because... <laughs> Because my, my name was Count De Money that day. <laughs> anyway, y'all was getting serious. I had to break it up. Amen. <laughs> Exodus 31, Exodus 31. So gifts of the spirit come as the spirit wills, but God wants to operate. The same spirit is working in all of us. We see people do mighty things. 
They're no different than us. It's the same spirit that works. And trust me, if it's not the spirit that's working in them, it's the devil. (laughs) It's either the same spirit working in all of us or it's the devil. (laughs) All right, I had to drop that bomb on you, all right? But if indeed the gifts of the spirit operate by the same spirit in all, then they either work in all or it's not the same spirit. If two of us are sitting in the room with the same information and we tell the same story and one of us tells a different story, two telling the same story, one's telling a different story. Somebody's not telling the truth. If it's three different, if it's two different stories or three different stories, somebody's not telling the truth. Amen. So if the same spirit's working and they're doing works and it's God and I'm not doing work, then maybe I need to get aligned with God. But the other way around, if I'm aligned with God and, and that's not, then that's not God. Can't be both. It's got to be one or the other. Amen. All right. Exodus 31. Talking about the anointing. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying... See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. He called somebody by name. Man, isn't that awesome? Imagine if God just says your name. You're walking down the street and you just hear your name. You look around, there's nobody there. God's calling your name. Verse 3. I have filled him with the what? The spirit of God in what? These are all the ways you need to understand God will fill you. And I'm going to clarify something when we get done with this. God will fill you when? In wisdom. Number two, God will fill you with understanding. God will fill you in all knowledge and in all manner of worksmanship or craftsmanship, whatever one you want to use. Man. (laughs) Next verse, verse four. To design artistic works, a whole nother kind of anointing. To design artistic works. To work in gold, in silver, in bronze, verse five. In cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. Man, isn't this awesome? And you might say, I'm not trying to build anything, but can you use some wisdom and knowledge? (laughs) Let's go back. Let's go back to uh, verse two again. Let's let's go back to verse, excuse me, verse three. And I have filled him with spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, in knowledge. There's another version that says in intellect. Ooh-wee. Listen, if somebody ever told you you're stupid, you need to say, no, I got the spirit of God. If you ever think that you, oh, man, I'm not, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, well, stay out the shed. <laughs> you know, God didn't call you to be in the shed. Get out of the shed. 
<laughs> shine like you're supposed to shine, amen? Lights in a dark place, not in a shed. <laughs> amen? What I want you to understand here is that God had a purpose. Because God had a purpose, he took a man and he began sharing all kinds of knowledge with him. Wisdom, understanding, all manner of workmanship. Verse 4. Artistic works. Do you know that God can anoint you with the ability to express yourself through art? Wow. This is the Bible. This is the Bible saying that God will anoint people with a gift artistically to work in gold and silver and bronze. All those different types of materials. God could anoint somebody to do those things. But if it extends to those things, doesn't extend to the things we work with today. Doesn't it extend to the technology we use? See, that was the technology of the day. <laughs> let's go to verse, uh, let's go to verse, uh, that's verse, let's go to verse five. Cutting jewels for setting, carving wood to work in all manner of work, workmanship, verse six. And I indeed have appointed with him. In other words, I didn't just pick one. And here's where the church has to embrace this. Yes, he anointed one, but that's not the only one. Amen? That's not the only one. That's not the only one called to be anointed. Indeed, I have appointed with him Ahoyab, the son of Ashishmash. I didn't say that right, but don't, who knows? All right, the tribe of Dan. And I put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. In other words, God said, Moses, I'm asking you to do something and I'm anointing the people who are with you to do what I've called them to do. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you excited today? Man, good grief. Ooh, I'm ready to pop up here, man. Activating the anointing. Four things you need to do. Number one, these four things. We started with these. We're going to end with these. Four things you need to do. Number one, you have to invite God into your circumstances. You got to invite God in. You got to invite God in. Again, how does he get in? He gets into the truth. He gets in with the truth. Sometimes we say, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. You have to actually say that that's the opposite. Lord, I thank you that you can do this. I thank you. you can, I'm inviting you to come in and do this. And I'm not going to get in the way. Thank you, Lord, that you can do this. Number two, meditate on the word that reveals God's plan. So I wanted to get out of debt. And so I said, oh, man. How am I going to get out of debt? And I kept looking at these bills and I said, Lord, how am I going to pay these bills? How am I going to pay these bills? And the Lord said, don't you belong to me? 
I said, yes. He said, then what does my word say about your bills? So I went to the word and it said, the borrower is a slave of the lender. I said, Lord, this says I'm a slave. This is not helping me. He said, but what did Jesus say? He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. He said that he whom the son sets free shall be free indeed. So you know what I need to do? I need to stop confessing that I'm a slave and start confessing I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me because it's not Jesus's will for me to be a slave. So therefore, let me start confessing what the word says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you, Father, for an anointing to pay off these bills. I thank you right now. I don't care if it's an economic crisis. I don't care if people losing stuff all over the place. I don't care about all that. Your word says that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I thank you for strengthening me to pay off every debt because I made it. Therefore, I'm going to pay it because the wicked borrows and does not repay. But I'm not wicked. I'm righteous in the name of Jesus. And I started confessing and declaring and declaring. And the next thing I knew, the Holy Spirit showed me exactly what to do. I got on my computer one day and I took every bill and I typed them on an Excel spreadsheet and I typed in what the payment for everyone was and I started praying over them. I said, thank you, Father, for showing me exactly how to pay off every single bill. And I kept that list and I would check them off and I move on to the next one. I check them off and move to the next one. I checked them off and move to the next one and checked it off and move to the next one. Next thing I knew in the middle of a crisis when I had less money than more, $75,000 of debt was gone. On supernaturally. And I stood in the pulpit because it was toward the end of that time. And I said, I'm not taking not one more student loan for one of my kids to go through college. Not one more time. <laughs> I stood up and said it. And I said, man, why well, I said it in front of all those people? <laughs> but I didn't take not one more. And supernaturally, God sent the money every time. And at the time, at that time, all three of them were in college. And God supernaturally kept sending money, kept sending resources. He kept sending stuff at the right time, at the right time. And he did it because I have been given an anointing. And I can do all things through the anointing that strengthens me. And I'm not special. I'm one of those artisans. I call many artisans, and they're all anointed to do what I've called them to do. Man. Woo! Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? I'm excited that in the next few months, I'm going to hear some testimonies from y'all about how God is doing things in your life about how God is doing new things that you didn't realize he was going to do. I thank God I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to say, who's got a testimony? And somebody's going to run up, knock me down. Run it up here to tell what God has done in their life. I praise God for that excitement. It's going to be rolling and pouring out of y'all. And y'all going to be so excited about what God has done because you're going to take this anointing and you're going to draw this anointing into you and you're going to let God solve your little problems first. Because if you be faithful over a few things, then I'll make you ruler over many. Don't attack the lion when you haven't tested your sword yet. 
kill the fly first. Kill, now, cut, cut the fly off. Yeah, I got now. I got fly faith. Now let me move. Let me get a mosquito faith. Ha! I got the mosquito. Now, where's it? Oh, come on. I got water bug faith. Ha! I got him now. Keep moving up in your faith. Go from faith to faith. Amen? Don't try to take the lion first. Because that's what happens. People say, oh, I got faith. You don't really have that kind of faith. I'm sorry. Faith comes from exercising the word. Don't attack lions when you got mosquito faith. But understand, your faith is not going to grow. It's going to get turned. Because you have a measure of faith. It's where's your faith turned? Most of us have spent the majority of our life having our faith turned toward the world system. And now we're turning it to God. We're turning it to trust his anointing on our life. We're turning it to trust that he will use us in ways that we have not expected. We're trusting him to give us words of wisdom and word of knowledge to people when they come to us and they say, I don't know why I'm talking to you. I don't know why I'm telling you this. I know why you're telling me. You're telling me because I have an anointing and you're drawn to this anointing. And so guess what? I'm not going to solve your problem, but I'm going to tell you what God says. Because that's what God does. God starts uh, drawing people to you. Jesus is walking around the countryside, doing good, freeing those who are oppressed of the devil. And without marketing at all, he just keeps doing stuff. And more and more people keep following. More and more people keep being drawn to him. Being drawn. Why? Because he was giving them the words of eternal life. And one day Jesus says to his disciples, unless you drink my flesh and eat my blood, excuse me, eat my flesh and drink my blood, (laughs) and you have no part with me. And a bunch of them walked away. And he looked at the remainder and said, will you guys leave also? And Peter's words were the most important words you could ever think about. He said, where are we going to go? You gave us the words of eternal life. It may be a hard word, but I might have to accept it and invite you in so I can understand it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray, saints. Activate. No, I didn't finish these. Invite God into your circumstances. Meditate on the word. Actively practice the word. Actively practice the word. Put the word into play. As soon as you get God's word on the matter, don't wait and cogitate. Activate. Use it immediately. When you see what God says, jump in and use it. And then once you start, keep it going. Keep the word first. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for your people. I thank you that there is an anointing on your people. Christ in them is the hope of glory, and they can do all things through Christ who is strengthening them. I thank you they know all things, Lord, because they have an anointing from the Holy Spirit. They know all things. I thank you for revealing secrets and giving them answers. I thank you what has been hidden for generations has now been revealed to your saints. That is Christ in us. Thank you for listening. Today's message was titled, Activating the Anointing, from our series titled, The Anointing. 
For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, I want you to feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on our site, you're going to find more information about our church and us and our events calendar, other things you may find of interest to you, even messages recorded by myself and other ministers here. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. Thanks again for being here with us today, and we invite you to join us next time. Until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.